Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nurture Heart Approach December podcast. I'm Catherine Stafford. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in private practice in Mill Creek, Washington. I am also a Nurtured Heart Approach Advanced trainer and author and the mother of four kids who range from 8 to 19. Typically, I'm joined on air by Howard Glasser, who is creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach and chairman of the Children's Success Foundation. But today, Howard is taking a much-deserved vacation, so I have the supreme honor of co-hosting with my friend Jamie Gregory, who I just asked about 30 minutes ago. Jamie is a clinical social worker in private practice in West Virginia, I believe, and is an advanced Nurtured Heart Approach trainer for probably getting close to a decade now. And when I think of nurturing father and now grandfather, I think of you, Jamie. So thank you so much for joining me today for this topic. It's an honor. Thank you. I couldn't couldn't be more honored to share the mic with you today. Our topic today is Nurtured Heart Approach and Fatherhood Time In. And we have the pleasure of discussing this rich topic with two dads um, and Nurtured Heart Approach Advanced Trainers, Dan Peterson and Niels Wright. Uh, Dan Peterson is a licensed clinical professional counselor and an advanced trainer for the Nurtured Heart Approach. He is founder of Compass for Life, which is a private counseling and coaching practice dedicated to helping families and schools with challenging children. Over the past 20 years, Dan has worked in a variety of educational settings, including therapeutic, alternative, and residential schools. He has held many positions over the years, one-to-one aid, teacher assistant, substitute teacher, individual and group therapist, and program coordinator. These positions have all helped him to learn the importance that each adult plays in the life of a student and what they need to succeed. Currently, Dan consults with area schools looking to meet the social-emotional needs of their students. He also leads trainings and provides one-on-one and on-site coaching for teachers to help with integrating the approach. He coaches parents who have challenging children on how to integrate the approach into the home, and he credits his training of the Nurture Heart Approach as the defining moment in starting his own business dedicated to helping all children flourish. He is also the father of three children, which I will let him talk about in a few minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, welcome Dan, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. No problem. Our other guest that we have is Niels Wright, and Niels is an educational specialist and a Nurture Heart Approach advanced trainer who attended his first CTI in 2012. He is in his seventh year as a teacher um, of students with emotional and behavioral disturbances. Neil is a father as well, and he says he gets to be a dad to dad in a happier, healthier, and richer way because of Nurture Heart Approach. Welcome to the show, Niels. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you both. It's Sunday afternoon. We're doing a pre-record because it's the holiday season, so thank you to all three of you wonderful dads for taking the time on this Sunday at this busy time to talk about this topic. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Jamie, we often spend a few minutes at the very beginning of each podcast talking about kind of the nutshell version of the Nurture Heart Approach for listeners who might be new to the approach. And at the risk of putting all three of you on the spot, and I guess I'm doing that, I'm wondering if (laughs) any of you would be interested in kind of talking about the essence of the nutshell version of Nurture Heart Approach, particularly as you see the role of of dad, because that's our topic for today. Anybody want to start that? Mm-hmm. Sprung that on you. <laughs> well, um, uh, as, go ahead, Niels. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, at, from a dad point of view, it is simply getting it right where we come from, how we were raised, and what teachings we've gone through, and maybe even what parenting classes we've taken. 
and really applying some tools so that way we get it right. And in, instead of just trying to wing it or launch Hail Marys and see if they work, instead we actually get some tools that are dad-proof, like we can actually remember, oh, three stands and some recognitions. Got it. So it, it's helped change immensely from that. How old are your children? I didn't ask that question first. I have a 13-year-old boy, 10-year-old boy, 7-year-old boy, and a 1-year-old boy. Well, then, nice. so dare I say you're an expert at this thing called parenting? <laughs> Wow. So so it works. <laughs> I mean, it's tried and true. Um, so you're walking the talk, clearly. Yes. How about you, Dan? Let's talk a little bit about kind of the, the kids at home for you and kind of how you think of this, the nutshell version of what Nurture Heart Approach is for you as a dad. Sure. Yeah, so I have a, a nine-year-old boy, a six-year-old daughter, and then a four-year-old boy. And um, it, I, I think... The best way to describe it for me is it just gives me uh, a formula to use to to make sure that my relationship with my kids is is being used in a way that I'm just assured that I'm building them up, holding them accountable, and then just not taking the bait when it comes to things that I would probably very be very vulnerable to the, to just get leaked into the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, I, I think before I learned about this approach, it was really easy just to think that I was doing the right thing or trying my very best and hoping I was getting it right. But I, I think just having the framework of Nurtured Heart is just giving me a lot of peace and a, and a lot of assurance that I know that I know that I know I'm building my kids up from the inside out and I'm just putting them in the best position possible to be successful, whether it's, you know, in their relationships or academics, sports, whatever it is that they're they're engaging in. Jamie, how about you? When you think about, because you, you're about, what, a decade or so beyond where these guys are and certainly we're almost four Or more. <laughs> yeah. I'm an old guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be a grandpa. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about Mike. I have two boys, right, and um, – one of my boys is 35 years old, <laughs> and the other one's 28. Yeah. So uh, I've been in, at this more than a decade. Um, as an advanced trainer, probably a decade, but I met uh, Howie in 2002 when uh, one of my sons was a teenager, and it was really uh, a blessing to to find something that pulled together a lot of things that I'd already been working with. Um, and I would say the nurtured heart in a, you know, the essence the distilling it down is the judicious use or the very you know discerning use of what I've got to say because that's one form of energy <laughs> and how I say it so that I am clearly communicating to my grown-up kids now and then to my grandson and I'll talk about him more specifically later what it is that I I see in them that I'm reflecting back that's their greatness. And, um, you know, really from heart to heart, uh, it doesn't have – my son, who's 28, loves it the most. When I'm, he, I'm articulate. I sing. I read poetry. So when I am acknowledging him and I start sputtering on my words, he finds it the greatest because it's the most genuine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, you know, it's a really heart-to-heart connection. And 
judicious use of of my energy to uh, to really convey. You know, that's I really value that in you. I really appreciate that in you. Are you aware of how great that part of you is? If not, let me hold up. You know, the mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I and think of grandson, the three of you, oh, sorry, Jamie, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, oh, and with a grandson, I don't know if we get it. A lot in the past. I've been teaching parenting classes since like 2003 as well. And in the past, people say, "Well, how, you know, how does this work with a kid that doesn't understand the words?" Well, <laughs> to me, it's really a guess to have Cole as my grandson, um, Seth's son, and he's now 17 months. He was just here yesterday, and to watch—he doesn't understand the words, of course—but to watch him, you know, literally do this happy dance with his body when I mm-hmm. turn up the energy on the positives of things that, that he, he's doing, and then how disinterested he is in like putting his you know hands all over the electrical stuff he's not supposed to touch if i just go mm, nah not that Seth, uh, that cold mm-hmm. you know we were, my wife and i were both laughing about the yesterday we looked at each other after i did one of those and he was doing this sort of dance and going he really gets it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when i think of my own practice i have to be honest i see fathers struggling more with this approach than often moms might do and it it often seems like it's this middle stand of what you're talking about, Jamie, that really honing in on your focused attention and language that sometimes mm-hmm. trips up dads the most. Dan and Niels, can you think back to pre, pre-nurtured heart, dad, dadding, to use your, your word, Niels, can you think yeah. of how you were and how this has changed you since, mm-hmm. since discovering the approach as a dad? Particularly that well, middle stand of really showing up energetically with your language. I also kind of a bit of a sap and you know don't mind using my words to express my love and affection for my kids so that part was never that hard for me but I saw it in someone else in another trainer and they spoke to the fact that it's hard for dads because they didn't believe it in themselves Hmm. in the sense of making a recognition to someone, even your own kid, if you don't believe it about yourself, it's really hard to shine that mirror or that light onto somebody else's greatness. So I fortunately, even though my own father didn't communicate in a nurtured heart way, I knew where his pride was and I knew where his love was, and it was on the things that I did well. Mm -hmm. And so I, I can relate that to my kids. This just allows me to focus it exactly when I should. As I think um, Dan said, when when I'm supposed to, doing it the right way. And so it it allows me that um, I, uh, the, the understanding that I know I'm putting in when I'm supposed to versus mm-hmm. lecturing and mm-hmm. versus doing all those things that I was raised with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that quite answers, but. It does. It sounds like you had that firsthand experience, albeit through a different route of your dad, kind of energizing what he saw in you as well. So you knew the truth experientially from your own being parented. Right. Is that right? But I've worked okay. with the parents and professionals and other teachers who absolutely stumble with the genuine language of stand to and when showing up is so critical. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How about you, Dan? Yeah, you know, I'm actually very fortunate to have received my training right as I was becoming a father. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't really have to um, undo a whole lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but as far as like how I I don't know interacted or showed up with with kids prior prior to this approach was mainly in the schools or in the the clinical settings that I worked with and um I spent a lot of time working in alternative and therapeutic day schools before I learned about this approach and um you know I I'm definitely it, encouraging people is easy for me or natural it's a desire I have and I I just I can't stand hearing negativity about anyone um, but before I learned about this approach, my my ability to encourage or build somebody up, especially um, male students, um, it, it was all f- focused on performance. So if they achieved something or if they won something, that's where I would show up and talk to them about, you know, how smart they were or how um, how great of a student they were or how well they handled certain situations. Um, I missed all the effort, the character, the perseverance, the diligence, <laughs> everything that it took to get up to that accomplishment. And um, I think learning this approach and helping kids, especially kids that struggle emotionally or behaviorally, to see themselves as competent, as capable, and proving it to them by finding stuff that's happening in real time, um, t- to me that's that, that's been the game changer. Uh, mm-hmm. To see kids that have very poor self-esteem or don't see themselves as um, competent and capable uh, for the first time, somebody proving that to them and then not being able to push that away. Um, being able to bring that to my kids from just day one, I, I just there's so many payoffs that I see for them that I, I didn't have as a kid, not because my parents did anything wrong. It was just the not having that powerful tool of nurtured heart um, in, in reflecting and giving kids evidence of the greatness day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that people love stories, and if I'm if I'm I didn't write it down, but I'm, I'm hearing your numbers of your kids are like age one up to I think seven <laughs> thirty five or something like that. And so I, by definition, we've got intensity with the one year olds. And I think Dan, you said you have a thirteen year old. And Jamie, I remember when I first met you, I think you were having some kind of big ticket issues, perhaps with some of your at that point young adults, maybe. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the success stories you guys have experienced kind of as a father um, implementing this approach with your children? The ones that you thought, holy cow, this is what it's about? Because we all have those stories, I think, experientially as we go through this process. Oh, I got tons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually I, I have a, a really powerful one that, that's been going on with my four-year-old over the last few months. Um, he. It's interesting. My my older two are pretty easygoing, but my youngest one, he is just he's on fire all the time. He just got this intensity about him, and and it's part of what I love about him. But he is also one of the more anxious kids I've ever met at this age. Hmm. He he's just he he's he's afraid to go to preschool. He's afraid to go to church. He's afraid to go to the bathroom. He's afraid to go. Um, to the dentist. Uh, in this this year, it was the first year he was in 
preschool, so kind of all of these things were occurring at the same time, and he, he'd be waking up in the morning, you know, the first thing out of his mouth was, do I have to go to school today? And if the answer was yes, you know, the next hour and a half of the morning, he's in meltdown mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of this therapist brain of mine. I'm like, oh, crap, does my kid have anxiety? <laughs> Is it separation anxiety? What are we doing? You know, and kind of starting to get consumed with worry myself. And um, we, my wife and I tried lots of things to to kind of help him with this, but it wasn't until I kind of reset and really honed in on using this approach with him that I didn't, that I saw a really dramatic change. And, um, I don't know if if I can kind of share this whole story. I'll give you the kind of the condensed version, but basically everything that we tried was not working. It was actually kind of making it worse because it was, um, kind of all behavior modification type stuff, Mm -hmm. behavioral training, and what I, I just kind of had this this day where I woke up and said, all right, I mean, I have to live this approach with my son, and I need to prove to him that he is more than capable. Because <laughs> he, he completely is just convinced that everything that he's facing is, is too much for him. Um, and so we, we started this list or this portfolio called Ben's big boy greatness. Mm. <laughs> and it was just, I just relentlessly for about three days was saying, all right, here you are, Ben, you're getting up, you're going to school, even though you're nervous, you know, that's what big boys do. Um, and then it was, uh, you're in the car and you're not crying. And it's like, you have a smile on your face. Uh, what other big boy things you or can you do? And he's like, well, I can get myself dressed. I can put my underwear on without it being inside out which is about a 50-50 job each morning. Um, And and what what happened is, like, he went from being nervous to just, like, completely engrossed in proving and and building this list of all the things that he could do that kind of fell in this category of being a big boy, which is he just wants to be like his big brother all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what happened is, he, he started going to school without having meltdowns because he wanted to add it to his list. And I think mm-hmm. we got up to like 35 different big boy examples one day. Um, and I said, well, wh- wh- what do you think, what number would it be if you went to the dentist? And he's like, dad, that would be like, that would be number 40, 70, 135,000, 12, 94, <laughs> which is, which is, yeah, which in his language is, Dad, this is going to be like the mountain. Yeah. Um, and I just asked him, I said, well, well, when do you think you'll be ready for that? And he said, three days. And so for three days, for three days straight, we just grew this list um, to where it was irrefutable. There was no way he did not know and believe without a shadow of a doubt that he was a big boy and that he was able. And, and big boy, you know, I, I wouldn't probably be using that words with, older kids, but for him, he totally got what that meant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and we, we went, we were going to the dentist and, you know, this was his second appointment. The The previous one, which was like three months ago, it was just like, you know, this kid needed to be in the restraint just to sit in the chair. No, actually what we had to do is we had to take him to a hospital and he had to have the procedure done under anesthetic. Oh. He, he wouldn't even go into the building actually. And, 
we're on the way to the to the dentist, and he says, hey, Dad, turn around. And I, and I look back, and he's got this giant smile on his face. And he says, see, I told you I could do it. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, he yeah. was still nervous. He was still, like, not real excited about going in to see the dentist, but he believed that he could do it. Um, which is really what this approach is about for me is is proving to my kids that they're capable, competent, they have inner wealth, and that no matter what the challenge is, that they're up for the task. And if they're not, or if they're struggling with that, that just means that I have to work tirelessly to find the evidence to help them see that in themselves. Um, and, you know, a- after that, you know, he, all of a sudden he's not afraid to go to the bathroom. He's excited about going to school. He tell me about all the friends he's got and all the things he's learning. And, I mean, it's just such a dramatic shift in his belief about himself that traditional counseling approaches that I've used or parenting mm-hmm. approaches, it, it just it, – there was no comparison about which one mm-hmm. was going to work. That's a so, fantastic I mean, story. What do you think the, the focus would have been on had you gone kind of old school, old school parenting on it, him or traditional been, parenting? It would have been, yeah, you're you're going to the dentist, right? And you're going to have to tough it out. Right. You know, everybody goes to the dentist. You know, stop your whining. And 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 part of that would be, you know, me trying to be macho and get him to be tough. Which, mm-hmm. if if I'm honest, is that's like my default for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the oldest of six boys. I didn't have mm. any sisters growing up, and, you know, we were, we all played sports, and uh, I, I'm a big outdoorsman and kind of have this this default system about just being a, a macho guy. Um, and when I see my boys especially struggling with, like, fear or worry or kind of that whininess, um, if I'm not careful, I'm just going to try to force them into, you know, <laughs> not being scared, which totally backfires. I, I, I totally get that, but I just know that that's kind of what my impulse is or my um, my gut wants to do if I don't have this framework that I'm resetting mm-hmm. myself to. Yeah, I think <laughs> sensation of old school, too, would be um, the, you know, not not to know what their feelings are. Right. We're, we're, not, we're all going to pretend like it's not about the, the fear, so and it's still yeah. there under the surface doing everything it's doing. Mm-hmm. So the thing of okay, how do yeah, how do we you know push down, suppress the the feelings rather than acknowledge them and work with how we're gonna you know uh, go go ahead in spite of that, like you described, you know, still nervous but going to the dentist. The other would have been mm-hmm. okay if you don't talk about being nervous, if you don't uh, acknowledge being nervous, if you don't, if that doesn't come up in conversation, well then you know ice cream after the dentist or something, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like so they get rewarded for for not noticing what's going on with them. That's well, the family way, right? <laughs> not handy later on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Neil, what were you going to yeah. say? Yeah, I, I, I said that's like the manly like, way, right? Right. Right. You know, that's the way we're raised. So just suck it up, kid. Here you go. Right. Yeah, yeah I just I, I wanted to add like that trying to avoid or suppress the fear. Like, that is such um, a powerful thing that we need to recognize because being able to do something in the presence of being nervous, fearful, anxious, it is where the perseverance, the dedication, the courage, the bravery emerges. And yeah. you can't have those strengths and qualities unless you confront your fear and, and you have to be able to do that. You have to identify it first. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yes. Um, I don't have the opportunity to be courageous if I don't have fear. Yeah, everything's right. easy. <laughs> exactly. That's a fantastic example because it really goes back to one of my truths, which is the idea that behavior is communication. And so where you came from, Dan, was the idea of I have to reset first. I under, have to understand that this is my process of figuring out what he's communicating and then how do I support him through it by showing him what he's capable of. Such a pendulum swing from traditional behavior mod, mod and focusing on what's going wrong. Niels, how about you? Do you have a prime example of just a fantastic success story of why this work is so important to you? I'm sure you have a thousand with all your children. <laughs> well, I have two intense kids, but they're intense in different ways. My seven-year-old's the most emotionally, behaviorally intense, and he's just, uh, you know, like Dan said, on fire kind of kid and just spirited, intense, not mean, not not ADHD, nothing like that, Just just kind of spirited. And um, one day I wanted to pack up all the kids and go. And I often have an extra boy just hanging around the house, either a neighbor kid or one of my friend's uh, buddies or something. And we were all going to go. And and he, he my seven-year-old said, no, I can't. I'm, I, I don't want to. And I said, I need you to get ready to go. And he just wasn't. And so I practiced resetting myself to okay what's going on here what's the need why is he saying no and while i was doing that he basically passed out on the couch Hmm. he um later that night ran uh, 103 fever and ended up missing school the whole next day being sick so he he emotionally and behaviorally told me no I need something different, and it was really an example of just I stopped myself and and recognized the situation for what it was and didn't push him. I, you know, so the thing that I love about Nurtured Heart Approach is it starts with what we do. It's, It's by all means how we are, how we respond the tools that we use, the path that we take versus what the kid does. The kid will go to the dentist or the kid will go to the to the town or wherever we're going. No, it's I will see what my kid needs. I will see what's preventing the situation. I will set clear boundaries and then we'll either get there or we won't, but I get to choose how I respond and whether I blow up and get frustrated or not. And then my son gets sick. Okay, so I get that. Hindsight was, oh, I took a moment, I figured it out, instead of I got all upset, and then my kid still got sick. Mm -hmm. So they are telling us what they need all the time. Like you said, it's, it's communication. It comes from somewhere. We just have to, or we get to choose how we listen and how we respond in the best, the healthiest way possible. Um, The second is I have a, uh, my 10-year-old is type 1 diabetic. So his intensities are around a whole different ballgame. It's all about his health. So I have two challenges. One I have to recognize him for the things that he does that take an enormous amount of courage 
mm-hmm. an enormous amount of understanding that is going to have to happen for the rest of his life. You know, he shoves a 13-millimeter needle into his thigh, and I have to be patient and understanding that we're it's 6.30 in the morning and we have to leave in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there are all of these additional challenges, but I have to also see beyond that in things that I can recognize him for that are beyond those, his other, you know, his greatness qualities, so that way he's not not identified but uh, labeled, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, based on his diabetes. Mm -hmm. So so Mm -hmm. I have that dichotomy, I guess it is. So those are, those are, ways that it just helps me on a daily moment by moment basis with those intensities that's got to take it to a whole new level i would think having a child with a chronic illness how old was he when he was diagnosed uh two years ago november um 14th so uh, in, in thinking of, yeah. he was he was eight then he's 10 now right you said he's 10 yeah okay as a dad, to have a child get that kind of diagnosis, what I'm, I'm guessing that there's some big emotions that you have to, I know, reset through on a regular basis. I would think, as a as a parent, with a child oh, yeah. with a health condition like that, how do you how do you, how does Nurture Heart approach help that piece, if you will? Um, well, part of behavior for me prior to Nurtured Heart was always about the control. I'm going to control this kid's behavior because obviously they can't control it themselves. You know, I'm going to set the firm, big guy, manly force in the room, whether at my classroom or whether at home, and I'm going to make this happen because I'm the adult, I'm the dad, I'm the teacher, I'm the boss. And if I'm not in control of the situation, then I'm not doing my job in any of those roles correct. The kids are going to be crazy. The kids are going to be in trouble. I'm Somebody's going to get hurt, whatever the case is, and it's going to be my fault for not being the man in control. So, Nurtured Heart helps me go, <laughs> seriously, I don't have any control over any of that. <laughs> so, let's just reset every t- time we think we have control and, and realize we don't. Okay, what do we have control over? I have control over how I recognize his bravery. I have control over how I reset to be impatient. I have control over how I choose to interact prior to any negative outbursts from my seven-year-old um, and, and or how they relate to the diabetes for my 10-year-old. So that's what I can control. And that's what helps me get through things like telling my 10-year-old, I'm sorry, I I see that you're in pain and I can't do anything about it. And him saying, I know, you'll never be able to do anything about it. And me being having to be kind of okay with that. Mm. And know that it's not my fault, not beat myself up, not take it out on him because he's not saying anything untrue. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And the best way we can get through it is by being on the same team, supporting each other, and letting go of that sense of need to control it. We can't. 
we can just be there to support each other through it. Gorgeous example. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, that's I, I can only remember. My youngest is eight, and I'm thinking as you're talking about having the eight-year-old dynamic of an eight-year-old boy and then adding that element to it, and I would think mm-hmm. my tendency would to be to tighten in on my, my efforts to control. And so hearing you say so beautifully how you kind of throw your hands up and say, no, I can't, and I'm going to give you any control yeah. that there might be here to be taken. It's yours. It's yours to take. Well, yeah. I'm, also, I'm also empowered to be a part of groups that are support groups and when I see an example of a greatness in a kid who tried an infusion site in a different place for the first time or did their own shot and they're three years old, you know, that mm-hmm. provides me with just another opportunity to put out recognitions mm-hmm. to people I've never met, I don't know, they've never even seen me on Facebook or whatever, and just put them out there and it just energizes us to know how strong and powerful my son is and in, empowers other people that are going through the same struggle. Yeah. I, I think you, you you say that so well because what I got was that when you recognize that you didn't have control and when we want controls when we're feeling some powerlessness, mm-hmm. that you <laughs> regained your personal power in saying, I don't have control. Sort of a yeah. paradox thing. I recognize it and now I'm empowered because I I don't I acknowledge I don't have control of this situation. Mm-hmm. I want to spend we're going to our time is going to go by so fast and I want to spend some time talking about how you also teach fathers, but before we do that, Jamie, I know you had kind of older young adult big ticket stuff. I think when I met yeah. you, I think I said, "Can you give us an example of how you use this approach as a dad when things got <laughs> more intense at the at the older years. <laughs> yeah, I can give you one that I have permission to uh, to share because I've shared it before. <laughs> yeah. The other ones I'd have to check back with my yeah. kids. Um, so this one was uh, our son had been away to college. He was a sophomore um, in, in at college, but he was you know back for the summer before going off to the junior year. And, you know, who knows what he was doing when he was away, you know. I'm sure there was a lot he wasn't sharing with Dad and Mom about what he was doing. But he was back home, so the rules were, you know, what they had been established as, um, which included, you know, calling if he was moving from one place to another um, when he was out socializing, uh, having the car back by a certain time. So this is sort of a two-part story. I'll, I'll condense it. So what happened was he... He, he would start calling, um, and it had to be from a landline because I'm no dummy, right? It's not from a cell phone. He could be in California. <laughs> <laughs> so it was from a landline. And, you know, he was like, I don't know why I have to do that and stuff. But he, he would do it, and he would do it, like, you know, at the 11th hour, just, just before he had to, he'd call. And, I you know, sometimes I had to get out of bed and answer the phone. i go, okay, yes, well, thank you for calling, and I appreciate you taking that, you know, on that responsibility. I know that's not something you don't feel you should have to do, but you're doing it anyway. And the, well, what had started happening was he the time that he would call would keep moving back to where he was calling and saying, okay, well, here's what I'm going to be doing over the next three hours. So I'd thank him, you know, uh, on a for now pre-planning it and calling and not having to get me out of bed. And so this went on for, uh, you know, some time over the summer break. And at one point my wife, who wasn't as versed in, in nurturing heart at the time as I was, came to me and goes, you know, Seth said, What's up with Dad? Every time I call, he gives me this big, big, 
big deal speech about, you know, doing the right thing and being responsible and, and you know, uh, keeping my agreement and, you know, on and on. And my wife said to me, I think you have to lighten up. And I said, do you hear what you're saying, dear? He's 20 years old. Who knows what he's been up to? He's home, and he's complaining that his father's acknowledging him too much. <laughs> I said, I, you know, of course, Catherine knows me well. What I did is I just amped it up out the wazoo <laughs> and kept it going. Okay, so that, that that's one of the stories of, like, how it works. Now, uh, another one, if I, I don't make this one condensed, was I think it was on a, on a break when he was home as a junior. He He missed the curfew, and he came in. And I got out of bed and came walking down the hallway, you know. And he goes, I know. And he handed me the car keys. And I said, I know you know. See you in the morning. And I walked back to my bedroom. That's the story I remember. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's the one you remember. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's the story. You know, I'm climbing back into bed, and my wife, Nancy, goes, "Uh, well, did you tell him? I said, did I tell him what? Well, that he's got a consequence. I go, no, he told me he knows. He goes, how do you know he knows? I said, because he told me he knows. <laughs> you didn't tell him that he can't use the car for three days? And, you know, she rattled down the whole pre-agreement. I said, no, I don't have to. He told me. She goes, well, I think you should have told him. I go, nah. Yeah. So the next day He's comes. He doesn't ask for the car. He doesn't ask me for a ride. And what's even bigger is not on the phone going, oh, you know, my silly parents, they grounded me and I can't use the car, which is what he would have done in high school. But so, to you know, I'll keep the story short. Over the three days, he, you know, he did what he was supposed to do, never asked for a ride, didn't ask for the car back earlier, didn't try to negotiate or shorten it or do it in, you know, pieces or anything. You know, and I was still going, oh, I really, you know, I see you clean up your bathroom. I'm I'm glad you put your, I appreciate that you were taking the time to, you know, hang up the wet towels. You know, because you could get into, you know, the way this would have happened in my household when I was growing up is, you know, while I'm, while doing my consequence, my dad would, you know, sort of not talk to me because I was in the doghouse, sort of. <laughs> right. But I'm still going around energizing my son, who's 20 or 21 at the time, I don't know, for, you know, picking up and hanging up the wet towels. Because it's mm-hmm. not like, okay, you don't get any acknowledgement about anything until this is all over. You know, so, you know, down the second day, my wife is still saying, well, you know, I think you, you need to tell him before he asks you for the car. And I go, nope, 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 I'm letting him do this. He's got it. You know, he's doing what he's doing. So anyway, the third day rolls around. His, you know, consequences is now sort of expired if he'd done what he's supposed to. But there's a, in our family, a thing of, you know, you sit down and you talk and you, to get it to get it restored, not to rehash this, the mistakes. Mm-hmm. That hadn't been discussed. <laughs> so... We're sitting at the dinner table, and he goes, can I talk to you about uh, getting the car back? And I said, yeah, sure. We'll do that after dinner. Um, it's your night for dishes. And, you know, then we went back to some other part of the conversation. Dinner ends. He gets up. He does the dishes. <laughs> he finishes them. He comes in the back family room where my wife and I are sitting. And he said, okay, so can I, you know, can I have the car privileges back? And I go, before we answer yes or no, I said, there are some things I want to point out for you. And he goes, you know, he goes, ah. Oh, crap, yeah. <laughs> so he sits down. He sits down. You know, I think he's going to get a lecture. Don't ever do this again. Even yeah. though I've been nurtured for some time, I said, I want to tell you how impressed I am in the way that you've handled your consequences. I, mm-hmm. You didn't ask for the car again. You didn't try to renegotiate it. You didn't complain to your friends. Uh, you didn't go, okay, well, if I can't use the car, I'm leaving the wet towels on the floor. I'm going to make you guys miserable. You've been really pleasant while you're doing it. You've committed to the whole thing. And you know what my son said? 
Dad, don't use that nurture heart stuff on me. <laughs> I'm not one of your clients. Uh, you know, I don't need to hear this stuff. And you and said, I, you know, and I, my, I looked at my wife. She looked like she got socked in the stomach when she, you know, she could feel what she thought I might feel. But that's not what I felt. I felt like, oh, okay. You know what, Seth? I have no confusion about whether you're my client or my son. And I said I would not pass up the opportunity to tell you the incredible ways in which you've matured and you handle consequences even when it's not going your way. Mm-hmm. And with that, a little tear rolled down his cheek. Mm-hmm. Now, That's my son awesome. is six one and a half, and this time was playing football for Wesleyan College. <laughs> He's like 245 pounds of muscle. I wasn't going for the tear, but, I, you know, I had that same, same sort of, I, you can hear me choking up now as I retell the story. <laughs> yeah. But, I had that say because that was heart to heart. Yeah. That was, you know, I'm not going to miss this opportunity, son. <laughs> and you are my yeah. son, not my client. If he'd been my client, I wouldn't have missed the opportunity. But yeah, it's so funny because he works in the field now, and he's the uh, father of, of of baby Cole, who's a toddler Cole. And he's so interested in the nurtured heart, and he does it. You know, he, I give him a book, but you know, that's, that, he just does it. That's the way he is with his grandson. He lived it. Yeah. Yeah. I love listening yeah. to the three of you because whether it's your four year old being courageous to go to the dentist or your ten year old who has to give himself an injection or your twenty one year old having to deal with the consequences of losing the car with coming home from college, it's the implementation of the approach is the same. And so what a beautiful mm-hmm. example of how it remains the same throughout the journey of this thing called parenting. For the sake of time, can you guys talk a little bit about um your advice that you would give to a dad who's really struggling with this approach to implement this type of parenting style for whatever reason? It's a fil- mm. uh, filter it through the sands. Just when before you react, before you respond to any of the situations, grab the stands in your hands and filter the event through those. Are you doing this? First, you know, are you engaging in the negative are you making sure you're engaging in the positive when it, you know, or, you know, were your were your expectations or consequences clear from the start? Yep. Filter yep. it, yep. and then choose how you're going to respond, and and or fix it to where you can respond more appropriately next time if you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't have a rule against that. Everything gets filtered Perfect. to it. Perfect recommendation. Dan, what would you say? You're out teaching the approach. Do you find dads that get tripped up with this this methodology, this philosophy? Oh, God, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it's crazy because for, for me, it, it, it's hard for me to imagine a dad not, like, desperately wanting to, to build their kids up yep. and help them be successful. I, I, I think that's just kind of part of the the blessing, but also um, kind of the calling of being a dad. <laughs> it's like our, it's like almost a, a requirement. And I, I think the part where I see dads tripping up the most is that they desperately want to do that, but the tools they have are completely working against them. And so trying to get their kids to be tougher or trying to control or trying to get them to be the best athlete or the best you know, performing kid, it's usually through threatening, lecturing, 
and just engaging in all all the negative moments, and, and it's at the expense of enjoying the moments where your kids are actually doing what you're wanting them to do, or being successful, or doing things that normally, I, I think the thing I hear about 150 times a week is, well, why should I give them positive feedback on that? That's an expectation that should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I don't know, I think when the dads that I work with actually flip that around and start to voice that and, and um, just see and then speak about the moments where the kids are actually doing the right thing or showing character effort, things like that, the dads start to feel better. And then it, it just kind of resonates for them where, okay, if I focus on what's going well, even if it's something that's mundane or I think is a expectation for them, um, to see the dads actually start to feel better and then feel good about parenting and good about being a dad, um, that that that's just the part that I see the biggest asset um, for fathers is, is being able to kind of connect with what they want to to do and raising their kids with the right tool instead of completely sabotaging and shooting themselves in the foot every day. Mm-hmm. So yeah. helping them to create that experiential success of feeling feeling the outcome starting to kick in in terms of yeah, I feel the difference as a dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would I'd say it's getting clear about you know who's the dad I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you're the dad that doesn't like that you yell, okay, so how you, mm-hmm. you know, let's work with that first, because as we've talked about, you know, yes. when you start changing that, you'll see. Yep. And the other, yep. you know, so you, you get clear about that, you know, okay, so I, you know, I, I did yell, so, you know, okay, so let me acknowledge that that's not what I meant to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I made a mistake, I'm resetting myself. You know, that, that transparency is apparent instead of trying to play a parent, you know, be the role. No, mm-hmm. be, the, be the human being you are. And you share that, and the truthfulness of each moment becomes incredibly empowering. That people don't have to be perfect. We do make mistakes. Here's how we get back on track. All that's built into it. And the other thing I think is, um, you know, as your, especially as your children get older, um, to if you're like when my son was a, a teenager, I started imagining him, uh, you know, like as five years older than he was. So he's twelve, and I thinking, okay, who's the seventeen year old I want him to be? Mm-hmm. And that and that's what I communicated to him when he was twelve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not with unrealistic expectations, but but picking out those qualities I knew would serve him well further down mm-hmm. the line and make in making, you know, since since everybody wants to be a prophet <laughs> you know, but it usually goes towards negativity. Oh, if you don't do this you're gonna wind up, you know, nobody's gonna you know, whatever, hire you for this job or what but instead, you know, the way you're, you are, you know, you don't want to go to school today, and yet you, here you are, you're up, and you're already, you know, dressed, and you're, you've got your teeth brushed. That is going to serve you well because on those mornings you don't feel like rolling out of bed at college and mm-hmm. nobody's going to be there. Or, what, you, you know, you make the connections to the positives of the future rather than the other way around. So. That's another piece of yeah. it, I think. Perfect. Yeah. I love yeah. that because I always that idea of who do you want to be and then also the idea of what are you looking for and your child is always going to be, yeah. like you're saying, Jamie, we're going to be reestablishing that as they grow into yeah. this new season of life that comes so darn quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I, I, it's a little more uh, nuanced, but another one that, that I've worked with so much with the dads, and I, I, I just, I go, you know, big time. I, I do it in my own understated way because most dads, if I go, oh, I'm so thrilled that you're here, Dad, yeah. they're going to go, what's with that guy? But I say it in a very understated way that's really clear with a lot of focus 
how appreciative I am when dads show up in my consulting room. Yep. Yep. What an important role they have. Um, you know, I, I, I make sure that that's uh, communicated. Especially in this world where we see how bad it can be for kids when they don't have their dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, them showing up is half half the battle. Now that they have, let's not let them go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And another nuanced piece of it is, you know, that um, instead of trying to make the kid who you think they should grow up to be, to to understand that, the, you know, the child arrived on this physical point on this planet with very, you know, uniqueness of they are the only, you know, to quote Dr. Seuss, you know, they are the only you that they will be. <laughs> you are more you than you um, for your the child. And our job is to sort of guide them in becoming the who that they are here to be. And it's not the one I think they should be mm-hmm. or, you know, the football coach or somebody else. They, you know, they're going to do it. I just want to support them and point out how they're getting there. And I love the surprises that come out of that. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to give all three of you. Huh, Jimmy? Hmm? What were you I saying? I say my, my imagination of who they could be. Right might be right. more limited than what their actual manifestation of possibilities is. Isn't that the truth? I'm going to I'm going to quick, quick run jump to a couple infomercials for the three of you guys to give oh. just some last pearls of of um advice or wisdom or experience that you'd like to share. So I want to invite listeners to become followers of the Nurture Heart Approach channel on Blog Talk Radio. All the archived podcasts are available on demand if you go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Nurture Heart Approach channel. They're all there. They're also available on the Nurture Heart Approach Foundation website, which is childrensuccessfoundation.com. If you're interested in becoming a certified Nurture Heart Approach trainer, I encourage you all to consider attending one of the next certification training intensive week-long trainings, both uh, Tucson in January and Australia in February are coming up quickly. This is truly a life-changing event. Um, all the information for any upcoming trainings is available on childrensuccessfoundation.com on the training tab. All right, you guys, we are we that's how quickly the podcasts go. They go very quickly. Oh. I am so blessed to have the three of you amazing men and fathers on the show. Anything that you would say, last last bits of information you'd want to share with a dad who's like, I'm not sure, you know, this is hard. What would you say to that dad who might be listening? Or a wife trying to convince or a partner trying to convince someone to kind of step into this arena? One of the things I would say, um, I often, you know, get guys who are very skeptical, and I love their skepticism. <laughs> I said, I'm real, you know, I'll, I'll go to that, and it's not in, a, in any way to get them to come around. It's just because I do appreciate that they're coming in skeptical, and I think they should be, uh, you know, uh, evaluating and discerning. Beautiful. Meet them where they are. Exactly. Nice job, Jamie. Yeah. I love that one. I'll remember that. <laughs> How about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, you know, so usually, and this just has been in my experience, dads that are struggling um, aren't dads that are stubborn or macho or hardcore. They're, they're dads that are in pain. And for for me, this approach has been uh, like a direct medication to relieve and and heal that pain, because the pain's really about not being able to connect, love, and enjoy being a dad. Um, and when when you get the right framework with the right strategies and the right tool, which I 
which I think the urgent heart approach is really good about. Um, it, it helps alleviate that pain and get you to where you want to be. And I think dads, on the most part, kind of want to know exactly what they're getting into. And if it's too much of this, like, emotional processing kind of typical therapy piece, um, most of the dads I work with aren't really excited about that. Um, but if you can convince them and, and let them see that, hey, this is just learning something new and quickly applying it and getting results, like, within weeks, um, I think that's really what dads are after and why I'm so attracted to this approach because that's what I've been able to do in just in my job as a dad, but also working and coaching parents. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. How about you, Neil? Uh, I think of it as no matter how we were raised, no matter what tools we started parenting with, if what they were doing was working or how they were raised was was working for their current situation, then they wouldn't be seeking a new a new approach. Why not go with the one that has the most simplicity and the most beautiful outcomes with what you could link to the most up-to-date process. I mean, why go back to the 50s if that got us here? Why go back to the 70s if that got us here? Be now, do what works, and have these tools that are so simple and they work. Perfect. What a great summary. Thank you all. First, thank you to the listeners who've come, who listen to this podcast later. It's archived um, for their commitment to Nurture Heart Approach and, and determination to heal hearts through this growing inner well. Thank you so much to Dan, you and Niels both for coming on today on your Sunday afternoon. There's a thousand things you guys could be doing, I'm sure, with all of the combined children that we have. Thank you for giving some time today to talk about your role in supporting dads um, and learning this approach and just being really present dads with your own beautiful children. Jamie, thank you for jumping in at the very last moment and filling in for Howie. Um, Big shoes, and you do it beautifully well, so thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great talking with you guys. Yeah. I admire what you're you're up to, both of you, (laughs) Jan and Neil. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sure Howard will be grinning your ear. I just feel blessed that the four kids that are have been in my living room the whole time have kept down to a dull roar. <laughs> I thought wow. you yeah, never know that in there. I yeah. love your courage because I think I heard you heard me say I had mine all go someplace else for this hour during the podcast. So you have courage and you had faith in your family that they would rise to the occasion of letting you be present on the podcast. Yeah. And that that's without a, a another parent in the room. That's I, yeah. I paused and muted and went and congratul you know, thanked them and and recognized him and then stuck back to the phone real quick. <laughs> That's being in the moment. Absolutely. Your moment. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you, wonderful men. Um, have blessed holidays with your families, and we will look forward to coming again together next month. All righty. All right. Sounds Thanks, good. Guys. Thank you all. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.